Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. Today we're talking football with voice of the South Alabama Jaguars. I almost did that again, the Georgia Southern. <laughs> I don't know why, Southern, South, but uh, how are you doing today, JT? I'm good, man. Appreciate you having me back on. It's always uh, it's always a good day when we get to hang out and talk a little bit, and then uh, I get to see you in person this weekend. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping they have better food in the press box than they did last week. Oh, so See, yeah, d- don't set the bar low already for me, man. Well, I- I'll tell you though, uh, if they have many corn dogs again, I'll be happy. Okay, <laughs> so, all right. I'm a corn dog kind of guy. I, I can dig it. I-, I can get on board with that. That's fine. But no, wait, what did we have last week? Uh, I-, I just there was something there. I just it wasn't something that I, I enjoyed. So, uh, but most people did enjoy it. So I'm, I'm going to be quiet. So, <laughs> um, well, let's jump right in. Uh, let's go back a little bit to Sunbelt football. Uh, two weeks ago though, um, Troy at app state, um, you know, that was, did you get to see any of that? It was crazy. Yeah, so we had we had just wrapped up um, our game at UCLA, and we're sitting on the bus, and we pull up, you know, we're all looking at all the other scores and whatnot, and we see Troy's winning. I'm like, oh god, you've got to be kidding me! Uh, and, you know, oh, us over here at South, we're, we're we're hating Troy, and so we're since you've got to be kidding me. They had game day there, and Troy's going to be the one to ruin all of it. Come on, get out of here. And so we're watching it, and you know, of course we get stuck in LA traffic trying to get to the airport, and we see App State get down there to the goal line. They don't score. They give the ball back to Troy with however many seconds it was, and I had proclaimed out loud to the bus. I was like, "Well, Troy just beat App," and so we're all like, "Oh man, Troy beat App! Oh man, I can't believe it!" And sure enough, me and our photographer Scott Donaldson are sitting next to each other on the bus, and I've still got it pulled up on my phone. And we're saying, oh, you know, we see, um, we see Troy does the, the whole safety thing and then they do the squib kick and we're thinking, okay, app might actually have a chance here. They do their little out routes. It doesn't work. And we're thinking, okay, now it's over eight seconds. They got to chuck it up there. It's not going to work. So, um, then of course they get it and I'm both of us were like, oh God, oh, I can't believe it. You know, we're freaking out. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? I was like, App just beat Troy. Like, and everybody's just... like, nobody believes you, I'm sure. Yeah, was, you just told us Troy won. <laughs> but yeah, it was um it was wild, man. I, I cannot believe that. Uh Adam Witten's call and the the in the in the booth video is uh is fantastic for I guess it's Miracle on the Mountain part two. No, yeah. that was uh that was cool. No, we were uh we were sitting there in, in the booth getting ready for our game and uh I put it up on my phone and everybody was watching. Of course, as the game's going on, uh, I'm getting text messages on my phone that kind of goes over uh, the screen. (laughs) So we, and I'm, and, and they're like probably 10 seconds ahead of us. Okay. And the, the, the texts that are coming through and all of a sudden at the end, we get, wow, Troy. So I'm like, oh, well, great. Now we know Troy won. Yeah. And it was the last one. We're like, well, we might as well watch it, see how they stopped App, you know. And then all of a sudden, App scores. And we're like, going, what the hell just happened? 
we're, you know, <laughs> we're waiting for a penalty or something. And, you know, the, the, the referee to come back on the, the game's over, you know, nowadays with replay and everything. So it, it was just, it was a crazy, crazy game. And especially with the text messages coming over, it made it even more <laughs> stupid. So, well, you mentioned your game against UCLA. I, I know it. I, I know it's got to be disappointing to South Alabama, the team, and everything. But at the same time, you guys played really well out there and really showed. And I liked what one of the announcers said: "Don't call it the fun belt anymore. Call it the stun belt." Yeah. And I'm like, I'm digging that stun belt. That's how I'm going to start. I'm going to start uh, hashtagging stun belt with everything and we'll get to what happened this past weekend with a couple of stunners, but, uh, uh, kind of talk me through that game though. I mean, you guys went down to the very end and they needed a last second kick Were you guys, it, it looked like I was able to watch part of it, the beginning of it before I had to leave for the stadium, but it looks like you guys were in control of the game, even up until the last kick, I guess. Am I wrong there? No, you're not at all. I mean, we we feel like we beat them in everything except for the final score. You know, the total yardage, they maybe had a little bit more than us. But really, in all facets of the game, pretty much, we felt like we were legitimately the better team. And you know, does it suck the way it ended with uh, the, the fake field goal that didn't work and then they turn around and drive and get a field goal to win the game? Sure, yeah, that, that hurt for a while. But, you know, we had that kind of like an hour stuck in traffic getting from the Rose Bowl down to LAX. And I think all of us kind of like took a second. We're like, you know, we just took a power five at their place on the complete opposite side of the country. We took them down to the wire. And outside of that last kick, we beat these dudes. And then you start seeing on social media, UCLA's locker room celebration after they beat us. And it's like, they celebrated that hard for beating South Alabama. That's pretty cool to see other people are that fired up to beat us. So, you know, obviously it didn't go the way we wanted, but still to, to lose by one points at a power five in the Rose Bowl was pretty damn cool for us to pull off. Do you want the win? Sure. But a lot of people figured out who South Alabama is after that game. You know, and let's take away your years before the transition to to FBS. So a program that's, what, 10, 11 years in? Uh, if you take away those transition years, you're looking at nine right now. Just took a team that's been around for over 100 years. Yeah. You know, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, it's when we, we kind of stopped and we're thinking about it during the broadcast, just about, you know, we're in the Rose Bowl. Obviously, that the name, the, the Mecca, the granddaddy of them all, however you want to call it, you know, we're we're in the cathedral of college football and we're competing and we're winning against a team in their place and like you said against a team that historically has been pretty good for a long time it was pretty i mean even just from our standpoint sitting up in the booth thinking about the the just the memorable and notable and historical people that have sat in the same room that we were in at that time. It, it was pretty, pretty mind blowing when we stopped to think of the different broadcasters that have come through that same booth. And we're sitting here calling the Jags beating UCLA right now. That was pretty cool. 
I, I can only imagine uh, with, with everything there. To your point, 399 yards to 407, you know, and probably if you, if you only give them um, 400 yards, if it's 400 to th 399, I don't know that he makes that kick, yeah. but it, 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 I, I get it all, man. And it, it, it was, it was so awesome to follow, follow that game and everything the way we did. And, uh, I, I felt bad, uh, but that that's going to go away here pretty soon when we talk Cajuns and Jags, but, uh, I did feel bad and, and everything you went through, but did you get a chance to get over to Poly Pavilion or that area of, of the campus at all? No, we actually never even made it to UCLA's campus. We made it to USC's campus. We actually practiced Friday at USC. Uh, so that was pretty cool to see. We drove through their entire campus. Uh, we went out there a day early, so we got there Friday. Or excuse me, we got there Thursday. And first thing we did, got on the bus, took the team to Santa Monica Pier. So that was cool. We did. I saw the, your pictures. Yeah, we did the touristy thing, walked into the pier and walked back. Um, and ironically enough, we ran into to Jag fans down at the pier that day. So that nice. was that was cool. We had a a great showing of Jag fans at that game. We have over, uh, I think they said over eight hundred living alumni in the in Los Angeles, and then over fourteen hundred just in the Los Angeles Orange County area too. And they showed out, man. It was loud. There were points where we we scored the touchdown to go ahead. We got the fumble recovery, and then we scored right after that, where I mean, it was predominantly people chanting USA in the Rose Bowl, which, I mean, thinking about it, it's giving me goosebumps, man, because all I could think about is you pass the elevator to go to our booth. There's a giant picture of Brandy Chastain in the 99 Women's World Cup beating China in, in penalty kicks, and that was immediately what I thought of was, this might be the loudest they've ever heard USA chants since that moment. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Couple of I've never been to you. I've been to UCLA's campus. I've never been to the Rose Bowl. Disappointed in my five or six trips out there that I've never done that. But from what I hear about U USC is that USC is like a little fortress among itself. I mean, the neighborhoods around it are not very good. Is is that is that a true depiction? Yeah, they told us don't come in the east side of campus because that's Compton. Okay. <laughs> They said, if you're coming into campus, come in the north side or the west side. Do not come on from the east side because you'll uh, you'll go a little bit too far. You know, it, it, you, you mentioned Compton, and I don't want to get into that, but if you get an opportunity, if you don't know the history of Compton, it's very yeah. interesting to get a, get a chance to look that up. I'm a history guy. I, I go down a lot, a lot, a lot of rabbit holes looking up things for this program or, or just in general. So There's some cool stuff there. We – Shoot, we were walking around downtown from our hotel. We stayed smack in the middle of downtown. And we walked down to what is now Crypto.com Arena, the Staples Center. Right. And you know, we saw all the statues there. And then we were looking around saying, how is there not a Kobe statue out here? And there's actually just murals right now. And so we walked a couple of blocks down the way to try and find one of those murals. And it was one of those cases where you went one street a little too far. And I was like, all right, we're we'll look at it on the internet. We're good. We'll we'll head back now. I I I actually got uh, I was out there the Cajuns. I think I told you I played UCLA and uh, then Pepperdine. Yeah. And uh, 
in between those two games, I was able to go there and catch uh, one of Kobe's last uh, his game, one of his games, his last season. And he did play quite a bit. So it was nice to That's good. to see all that and to see the the whole pageantry of of Showtime and the announcers, you know, long before, I guess, in my opinion, long before Chicago did it, even though I was a Bulls fan kind of at that time uh, with okay. Michael Jordan. So, um, all right, well, nothing about L.A. Uh, let's we'll get to the the new L.A. here in a little bit. But I, I do want to talk a little bit. I mean, those are really all I wanted to talk about last week but uh, or two weeks ago. But this past week, so App State has uh, the big the big the big win over Troy. We'll call uh, last second win. And we'll see if, it, it, if they want to hold on to the east. That will be a big win for them, especially yeah. uh, coming back and then losing the the week to James Madison. How, how so? I mean, we watched. I think I think we had the game on until it was twenty eight three. I believe. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was twenty eight three. Yeah, it was the uh, the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl score. Exactly. I wasn't going to bring that up, but uh, <laughs> I'll I'll get that little dig in there. Yes, twenty eight three. So. Uh, how surprised i mean is, is is james madison i think james madison is good don't get me wrong but how much of that is a letdown from the previous three weeks in your mind yeah i think it is a little of both and like you said you know credit to jmu because they they did what they needed to especially defensively to to come back and win that ball game but you look at week one for app state probably should have beat UNC. I mean, got down inside the five and couldn't get it done. Then they do pull off the upset of Texas A&M. Then looked extremely sluggish against Troy. Obviously need a Hail Mary. And you're thinking, okay, 28-3 against JMU, who before that game had played Middle Tennessee. We didn't really know at the time how good they were till they beat Miami. And they played FCS Norfolk State. Of course, they're going to beat them. So they really hadn't been tested at this level, I didn't feel like. And then we see the 28-3 score. I'm like, okay, App's back. They're handling their business. They've put the hangover behind them, yada, yada. And then our um, our engineer for the home games, Charlie Harrison, he gives score updates, and he pops in. He's like, uh, guys, JMU's beating App right now. So, uh, yeah, it was it was shocking. I. I'm not totally sold yet on how good JMU is. I mean, they're like top three in the country in total defense. They're the best rushing defense in the entire country, too. Um, but, I mean, you look at the slate that they've got with Texas State, Arkansas State. They, I don't feel like they'll really be tested again until they go to Georgia Southern on October 15th. Uh, and that's what I was just looking at their schedule as well. Um, I, I, but I do think uh, Texas State is playing better. Are yes. they better? Or was there competition? I'm not sold Texas State is better yet. And they play uh, Arkansas confused. State, who I do think is better. So it's uh, for Arkansas State, it's hard to be worse than uh, than you were last year because they were – my gosh, man, they were they were garbage last year. They were really they they had a really tough time with 
the number of new kids they brought in, and they brought in a lot of them. It was like 50-something, wasn't it? Yeah. They brought in so many new guys, new coaching staff, new culture. I mean, yeah, you're going to have your struggles, but just they just did not look the same when they came to us last year. Um, they definitely look improved, like you said, and I think the same for Texas State. I think they're better. Um, I think Arkansas State's made a bigger jump from last year so far. Uh, we've got them at their place uh, mid-November. So that's a game that I'm really curious about because we seemingly have their number right now as a program, and I'm curious how much of a jump from last year where that game was over midway through the second quarter last season, how more competitive are they this year? Yeah, it's traditionally a game for the Cajuns that the home team has won uh, the majority of the time. So, uh, but last year was not, uh, uh, it, it was not a pretty game, uh, not, not a pretty yeah. team. So, um, sorry, I lost my place here. There how about, <laughs> how about Marshall and Troy though? Because I think Troy kind of has announced that, Hey, we're we're back to playing some Troy football, you know. Uh, they went up, I said to to App State, they lost the game, but at the same time, it was a lot closer than anybody expected, in my opinion. But they went up to, uh, they hosted Marshall, who Marshall, maybe they're not as good as we thought they were, you know, with their loss yeah. to Bowling Green. Yeah, in overtime. Yeah, who was a bottom ten team on the. ESPN bottom 10, which I don't, I know it's not a vote. It's kind of a tongue in cheek, a lot of it, but it's fun to watch as long as yeah. you're not there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you, man. I was, I was surprised. Um, I, I thought it was going to be a really good game. I thought it was going to be a very competitive game. Two teams that play some pretty good defense and I figured it'd be low scoring, but I mean, Marshall cannot get anything going offensively. They finished with 78 yards passing that's brutal and it's not like you know yeah Troy's good defensively and John, John Summerall's done a really good job of kind of I think getting the culture back to where it was when Neil Brown was there I think they kind of lost their way a little bit with Chip Lindsay but I think Summerall's done a good job of really kind of instilling that hard-nosed football that Troy had become used to and I mean that's an impressive win over a team Marshall that we thought was pretty darn good. But you you mentioned it, man, losing to, to Bowling Green in overtime after you'd beat Notre Dame and now only scoring seven points and having 174 yards of total offense. It's not a good look, man. No, it's, it's, it's one that I just cannot figure out. And, and I, and again, it's one of those things that they beat Notre Dame without which everybody considers their best player. And he's supposed to come back supposedly at some point this season. Yeah. But then you turn, you, I just, I think and nothing against Troy. I just think those are, I just, I I'm used to seeing Marshall score more points. Yes. I guess. And for them to only put up seven points was just shocking, I guess. Hey, Rashad Ali has returned to the team, and he's actually been practicing the last couple of days. I think it might be a full week now he's been practicing. Okay. He didn't play against Troy, though. And uh, 
Lo, uh, Lauburn, however you say his last name, they're, they're running like back. now. Been... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't have Marshall on schedule this year, so I can get away with that. I can yeah. put him off till next year. But <laughs> their current running back, I mean, ran for 118 yards on 30 carries. So, so they're doing okay without him. Yeah. Uh, they, just, they need some quarterback help. Their quarterback play has been horrendous. And that, again, to me is shocking because I, I don't know, may, uh, maybe history is cloudy for me, but I've always remembered Marshall quarterbacks to be pretty good. Yeah. You know? Shoot, Byron Leftwich and Chad Pennington yeah. the last couple of years. Good grief. So, um, one one last, well, two games, but, but one more before we get to your game. The Tulane Southern Miss game. I mean, if you look statistically, Total first downs, uh, Tulane 26, USM 13. Uh, total rushing yards, 204 to 59. Total yards, 451 to 253. Uh, penalty yards, 20 to 45. Uh, I'm just look. if you look statistically at that, oh, the last one, time of possession, 36 minutes to 20 four minutes statistically if you look at like that you think Tulane has blown out summer southern miss I, I i just can't figure i didn't go through and look at everything on the stats and individuals and and watch the game how does how does Tulane lose that game i, I don't know man i was thinking the same thing i was looking through it the other day and it i figured okay Tulane must have turned it over a bunch they must have gone for it on fourth down a bunch and didn't get it they only threw one interception, had no fumbles, and they went for it three times on fourth down, got it once. Okay, that's two possessions. But still, that shouldn't equate to that much of a lopsided stat uh, difference where you know, they – I mean, they dominated that game in every aspect, it looks like, but still still lost. And I, I have no idea what's going on with Southern Miss because Zach Wilkie is – Sometimes the quarterback the whole game. Sometimes Frank Gore runs out there as quarterback, and sometimes he plays better at quarterback. But then they only had Gore at running back this week, and he struggled. He only had 44 yards rushing on 16 carries. And Wilkie looked pretty dang good with you know, almost 200 yards and two two touchdowns. So I really cannot get a read on the Southern Miss team at all. I don't, I don't know, like – Ty Keys comes in, and he's like the third-string quarterback. He'll come out there sometimes. And then Trey Lowe, who started the season at quarterback last year, they'll rotate him out there. I don't know what's going on over there, but that's a good win for, for Southern Miss. I was not very confident in the direction they were going until this win. Like That makes you feel a lot better, but you know, seeing the, the weird personnel they've used – kind of made me scratch my head like what in the world is will hall doing over there well you like, know they they went uh, oh uh, just one more statistic here yeah um if i can find it three for 12 on third down for for southern miss and you're thinking no way that that team should win right but you know and, and Tulane came into the game four and oh power five win you know uh and then and then the, and then the game starts out 
it's it's 14 nothing Tulane and you're thinking okay this is going to be a blowout and then all of a sudden you know it, it goes back and forth a little bit but you know very interesting it, it's a game I'm gonna have to go watch before we play Southern Miss because I like you I've got to figure this thing out too I just I don't get it but. and the it, I was just looking at it, I didn't realize this the, the score really wasn't that close at the end, they got a garbage time touchdown with 19 seconds left. So really, that was majority down the stretch, 10-point ball game. Yeah, for the last seven minutes of the game. Uh, so, yeah, that's it's crazy. Uh, it was at Tulane. I would be interesting to see. Uh, I know it's like we all do. It's, it's sold tickets, but I wonder if there was actually 20,000 people there at Tulane. I would be <laughs> shocked. And I'm not going to say anything because we're not doing any better. <laughs> All right. So, uh, lastly, I want I want to talk about your uh, your game against Louisiana Tech. You guys totally dominated the dog killers there, so I appreciate that. Um, how was it though? I mean, is your team getting that much better? I guess, or has Louisiana Tech fallen somewhat as well? I think it's a little of both. Um, I definitely think we're headed in the right direction. I think Louisiana Tech is, I don't think they're, they're necessarily as bad as their record shows that they are. I mean, it's, I mean, they've played two P5s. They opened with Missouri and played Clemson pretty pretty well uh, two weeks ago. It was a touchdown game at halftime at Clemson two weeks ago. And we just, we, we kicked them in the teeth to start it. I mean, the, the very... The opening kickoff, we returned it for a touchdown. It was called back for a penalty. And then we just steamrolled 80 yards down the field. And, I mean, it was – In two minutes. Drive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was – the opening drive was 19-yard pass, 18-yard pass, 25-yard run, 2-yard run, 13-yard pass, 3-yard touchdown pass. I mean, it was – and it – it felt like the drive was quicker than the amount of time it took me to read that. It was blazing. I mean, we went no, we went no huddle. We went tempo, pass it, go, pass it, go. It was incredible. We haven't played like that. And uh, Danny Reed texted me after the game. He said, "You guys might be onto something." And I, I've, of course, I agree. You know, three and one record. We're playing yeah. good football right now. I think I think we're much improved, but it's a weird scenario. Or it's a weird situation for us because you know we've never been legitimately good in football. You know, we're so young. We haven't had a winning record since we moved to FBS. The best oh. we've been is six and seven. Really, I did not yeah. know that. And so we're we're kind of getting into uncharted waters here a little bit of, you know, winning is is part of a culture sometimes and you know you have to know how to win this program hasn't won ever and so i'm curious if we can if we can keep this going how how well will we handle it you know we started three and one last year lost to you guys on that crazy game in the rain and really just kind of spiraled a little bit. We lost that game. Then the next week losing quadruple overtime to Texas State when we led, I think we led by 14 with seven minutes left. Mm. And just, 
I think it was actually worse than that. I think it was 17 with seven minutes left. And then we did a flea flicker, and the running back was being tackled as he was pitching it back, and instead of just holding it, he just tried to shot put the thing, and it was a disaster, and unraveled from there. And then you come home, you play Arkansas State, you get that win. But then we went to ULM. We allowed 41 points to a not very good Warhawk team last year. And I think that was a little bit of these guys didn't really know how to handle having success yet. And so that's what I'm curious about this week is we owe you guys some payback for last year and the previous five years because you beat us six years in a row. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. it's. I, I felt like we – well, maybe it's been that long. Uh, let me just pull some – oh, my gosh. All right, so I updated to Windows 11, and oh, I just yeah, did something here. I have it's no a nightmare. Idea. I've, I've got uh, – and I've got two monitors going, oh, I'm just screwed here big time. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, I'll finish my thought while you're on your tab. Yeah, so the what I'm curious about is you know, we owe you guys some payback for the last six years you guys went in a row. We owe you for the payback of last year where we had our opportunities and we couldn't capitalize on it, and we've still got a bad taste in our mouth from that game. We're playing really well and probably the best we've played in, in probably a decade, since probably 2013, 2014. We're playing as good as we have since then. I'm curious how well we recognize that one, but also how well we handle that when we go on the road to, say, Arkansas State in a couple of weeks. That's a game on paper you should win. Or when we come back home and play ULM, a game on paper that we should win. How do we handle that? That, uh, There's a lot of unknowns right now because we're so young we haven't had the success we're having right now and i'm trying not to you know look too far down the road and get ahead of myself but you know the way the way we've been trending right now we we might be onto something well you know it's funny you i did not realize because i go back to uh i've been to south alabama many a times for for basketball and baseball but i i had no clue that we had won six in a row because I just remember the debacle, not on y'all part, but on our part in 2013, not taking anything away from your team yeah. at all, but just as a Cajun fan, I think 2013, was that the game? Like it felt like it was 12 below zero. Yes, it was miserable. I hey. was, I was doing that game on student radio and we were in a emergency stairwell at lad that had no walls. So we were basically outside. It was great. Oh my goodness. Uh, so that one, and then two years later in 2015, that's all I remember about those are so etched in my mind. I do not yeah. remember winning games there. Quite honestly, yeah. that's the only thing that's etched in my mind. So thank you for not having me, uh, have illusions of, uh, of just, uh, gosh, that's crazy. So we don't want to talk about the 13 game where, we forced you guys to share the Sunbelt title instead of outright winning it, right? Yeah, you know, that was a game going <laughs> in. I'm going to tell you. So uh, I won't mention names on our team but uh, or the coach, uh, but uh, everybody knows who both are. Um, it, it's going into halftime. Our, our quarterback got hurt. We put it in the substitute, and I'm thinking, okay, this is a great time. Hand off the ball, hand off the ball. Just don't throw the ball. 
he drops back to pass and literally on a straight line with me, I see where he's looking and your defender's right there. I'm like, do not throw. Do not. And his arm goes back and I see where he's looking. And I'm like, he's been standing there the whole freaking time. Pick 60 <laughs> in the half. And from there, the Cajuns can never rebound. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. Oh, I I don't have to look that game up. I, I want to say if we don't give up the pick six at that point, it's a it's a seven or a ten point game going in into the half. Yeah. It's still yeah. doable. But then all of a sudden you throw that pick six and then you're like going, uh so and that was the game for us that capped off a three game winning streak to end the year that gave us a six and six record. And we were just hoping for you know, we were still transitional, so we weren't eligible for postseason. We were sitting there hoping that the bowl games were going to fall one game or one team short and they would give us a waiver to get into a bowl game. Yeah. But obviously it didn't happen. But uh, that was that was a special game because that also capped the career of a lot of the original Jaguars for us. And so a lot of the big-name guys that had really started the program, that was their last game. So that was pretty cool to, to get that win in that in that scenario. Well, I'm glad we could help out. <laughs> <laughs> so generous of you guys. Yes. You're listening. We're talking with Craig Malosa and JT Crabtree, voice of the South Alabama Jaguars. Let's talk about this upcoming weekend. Uh, I, I know we really didn't get into, I said we were going to talk about you guys playing uh, Louisiana Tech. We did a little bit, uh, but um your team seems to be much improved. Is that a lot of that? Ba- I mean, uh, I'm a young coach in in some ways. Thirty five, maybe thirty six. Thirty five. Yep. Thirty five. So, uh, relatively young, be running an FBS program, uh, but at the same time, seems to be working there. I know we talked about his connection there. I believe he's from Arkansas. Went to Arkansas. Uh, then finished at Southern Miss, well, I believe was a grad assistant or coached at Southern Miss, and mm-hmm. and then eventually, you know, coached for y'all, then went up to Indiana, and then came back to be the head coach. I know that was very quickly, but um, is any of that wrong? No, no, that's that's it. That's been his path. He uh, was a like a tight end fullback at Arkansas. He said that his um, his freshman year was the year of Darren McFadden and. Um, the the second running back they had up there his name escapes me and Peyton Hillis and he said my job as the 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 H back the fullback that was in there was to get the hell out of the way of all three of those guys and so he I think he played two years at Arkansas transferred to Southern Miss that's really where he claims that he went to school he had his cup of coffee at at Arkansas and whatnot yeah Uh, met met his wife down at Southern Miss too and so there's a, a lot of connections for him for that program. But when he was here the first time, I mean, he had a huge, quick turnaround with our defense. And so to see him do the turnaround that he's done so far as the head coach, it's not too surprising so far. Yeah, it's 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 been interesting and fun to watch you guys play. I think more so because, you know, I know you – and it's the same thing with Georgia Southern with Danny and, and the guys, you know, it's fun to watch your teams. Cause I, I, I watched to listen to y'all call to get information. So it's, it's fun. 
Yeah. Um, but what do you think the biggest improvement now that you're four games into it uh, on the offensive side of the ball, where do you think the bi- biggest improvement has come for, for, from your, uh, your offensive team? Uh, so far it's offensive line. Um, last year it was without a doubt a weakness. We had a lot of injuries, didn't have a ton of talent there to begin with either. And so, you know, there was a, a point in time where we were starting, I think two walk-ons at uh, right guard and right tackle either out of injury or just straight talent necessity. We need to change some things up. And so they hit the portal heavy. They went and got a bunch of power five guys and some, some FCS guys. And that's without a doubt our, our best unit this year. Probably you look at the UCLA game. We didn't have a single negative play against UCLA in that game. Uh, We had maybe one negative play last time out. Yeah, uh, we had a minus nine yard pass on a screen last time out against Louisiana Tech. So in the last two games. And that's really not on the on the offensive line, though. Correct. Yeah. And so if you look at the running game, just from that standpoint, I I'm not sure if they've allowed a negative play. So like a, I, I can't remember how many times a quarterback's been sacked. I think a couple of times against Nichols. But otherwise, the offensive line has been tremendous. And, you know, LaDamian Webb has been a huge, huge upgrade at running back too. And that's a, a big part of it. But I think his numbers are even better because of the offensive lines play that we've had so far. It's, it's tremendous. You know, we've actually, we lost two guys, two depth guys. Uh, this week that decided to leave the program uh, Antarius excuse me Antarius Gray and Antoine Lewis were two guys that started last year weren't starting this year and so they decided to leave but overall I mean that unit is just it's stout man it's strong and it's it's exactly what we needed that was the chief concern for Major Applewhite on the offensive side last year was we've got to up, upgrade that unit and they they really did this year so you're telling me the quarterback is not responsible for all his plays or his running back is not responsible for all those runs that you really need an offensive line to block for them? I mean, I guess they can sit there and try and avoid 11 guys all at once, but <laughs> I no, those, those, those dudes do a little bit of work up front. I, I have to give props always to offensive linemen because my color analyst, Chris May, is a former offensive lineman for us. Okay. And so if I uh, if I don't, he'll uh, he'll strangle me through the telephone. No, uh, as well as Jay's guy uh, and Gerald uh, uh, Broussard. So, no, uh, I, I just think fans sometimes and, and you know, and this is not a criti- uh, critis- criticization. Wait. <laughs> Words are hard, man. Yeah, they are, uh, especially uh, English as a first language. Not to be critical of the fans, but I think too much emphasis is always put on the quarterback play and the uh, in the in the running in the runners as well. Uh, uh, the C- Cajun fans are finding out this year it's our, our which I thought going in would be uh, our biggest question mark was our offensive line. So. And again, I really thought uh, to me, it wasn't, uh, I, I'm learning, uh, at my age that it's, 
you know, I always felt that it was, it was not, um, it was not, uh, it wasn't because we didn't have depth at offensive line. I just felt like we didn't have experience. And I really thought because those guys were here last year that they would just kind of pick up. Uh, we're, we're learning that experience helps a lot. Yeah. So um, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, what is your, where would you say your biggest improvement there has come from? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, can I say depth? Is that an answer? <laughs> yeah, that is an answer because, you know, I think we don't talk about that enough. But I think when we talked about, when we talked earlier in the year, kind of giving a preview of the Jags, you talked about the size in the defensive backfield and everything you have. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think, you know, the depth that we've had at a lot of different spots has been huge because you look at, take a look at our linebacking core this weekend. Quentin Wilfon didn't play because of an injury. And so we slide Trey Kaiser in there. And you don't even really notice that Quentin's not playing because Kaiser's so good. You look at safety with Jaden Voison; He's having a career year. He's been phenomenal at free safety. Well, he wouldn't even be playing right now if our all-conference safety, Keith Gallman, isn't hurt for the year. And it's crazy to think that because Voison's had such a good year, you don't really notice that you're missing an all-conference safety. Or with Quentin Wilfond, who was honorable mention in the league last year, you didn't miss him last time out. Um, that's I think that's what's been really so improved upon this year is the fact that if you'd told me last year, hey, Keith Gallman's done for the year, well, crap. <laughs> like, that's a huge hole. But now this year, it's like, okay, you know, that sucks. Obviously, Keith's a great player, but, you know, next man up. We'll move a guy over and we'll figure it out. And... That didn't really hit me until this past weekend where we had some other injuries like Will Fawn, uh, Jamar Richardson, our cornerback, and you had some other guys slot in, and you didn't really notice the starters weren't playing. And so I think overall that's what's improved the most about this defense, the fact that we have so many pieces that we can interchange and you don't really feel like you lose a whole lot. And that will come into play in the first half this weekend against you guys where Brock Higdon is suspended for the first half for a bogus targeting call. Oh, that's a horrible rule, by the it's, way. It's terrible. And so Jamie Sheriff won't have his usual guy to rotate in behind him, but someone else like a Maurice Strong Jr. or Charles Coleman III or whoever will rotate in. You probably won't notice that Brock Higdon isn't available for the first 30 minutes of football. I, I, no, I, I totally agree with you on, on depth being the biggest improvement because that was one thing the Cajuns had last year at just about every position was yeah. depth. Yeah. And it really didn't, ma I mean, it did not matter who started because just about everybody was going to get the, the same amount of snaps. Yeah. And I remember last year when you guys came to us, I think, I think it was Chauncey Manick was either banged up or something or he was kind of rotating in with another guy and you never could really tell when Chauncey wasn't on the field because the guy behind him or in front of him, I can't remember, was just as good. And it seems like that's been the case with you guys for a long, long time. It has been, and I think that's where uh, the the recent transfer, transfer portal 
and not having to sit out a year, it allows uh, guys to move rather quickly. So not, I'm not blaming that on him because a lot of these guys have been in the program now for three years. Yeah. Uh, so, we, we, but at the same time, practice is not the same speed as a game day speed. Sure. And uh, it's kind of like a boxer, uh, like Mike Tyson said, everybody thinks they can beat the champ until they get hit the first time, you know? <laughs> so um, let's talk about your special teams. I, I don't, I don't know if I can say improved, but uh, you, you got a kicker there, uh, Di- Diego, Guardo, and I probably butchered his name. I'm nope, I'm not an announcer, so I don't have to. But you have also I notice uh, you 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 mentioned in the Louisiana Tech game that you returned a kickoff for a touchdown that was called back. But what you didn't mention was on the next series you had a punt return for a kick <laughs> uh, a touchdown. Was were, who did the kickoff? I know it's Colin Lacey who returned the punt. Who returned the kick? So it's, it's actually Braylon McReynolds returned the kick. Okay. And so we've got two different guys, and what's great is they're both they're both younger. They're both mobile kids, which is awesome. And I mean, they're the real deal. You know, Braylon's a, a true freshman. This is his first taste of college football, and he's he's made a huge impact. Uh, but Colin has been really really strong on punt returns, special teams as a whole this year are so much better than they have been in the past. Um, even look at the yeah, sneeze here in a second. I'm trying to stop. Yep. Nope, not there. It'll it'll <laughs> get me at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but you look at a guy like Jack Brooks, who on the, the punts, you know, overall the numbers, like the, the average and whatnot, okay, that might not jump off the page. But he's been so so good at pinning folks on corners i mean 17 punts and seven of them are inside the 20 i mean he's been really really good at some directional kicks uh diego hasn't missed a um a field goal all season he's been really strong and uh jacob meeks shoot a guy who was at ulm transferred to texas and now is with us he's taken over as our our kickoff guy and I think he had four kickoffs for touchback this past weekend, which for us never happens. So just overall, man, special teams, it, it's its really, really taking a step forward. They're really, really strong this year. You know, just looking at the numbers and everything, that's what kind of stood out to me with a lot of this. And uh, I know there's, there's different ways uh, you can look at special teams, but – for Jack Brooks, one thing that really stands out in 17 kicks, only one touchback also. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can deal with the fair catches. You can deal with the ones inside the, the 20. They don't all have to be over 50 yards, you know, because you're not going to get an opportunity to do one 50 yards all the time. So, you know, just, just some, some really good numbers. Uh, yeah. He's been there. strong. He's like a, I think he's 29, uh, 29 year old junior. He's an Aussie. So he, uh, uh he came in later, uh, and there was, without a doubt, that was an adjustment period for him. He'd never been to the states before. He'd never played foot. He never played American football. And the the worst part of it was, he'd never been asked to hold on kicks before. 
and there's the infamous clip of us in 2018 playing uh playing Memphis at our place or 2019. Snap comes back to him and he puts it down and it just slips out of his hand. But instead of picking it back up for our kicker to kick, he just moved his hands away and let the ball be flat on the ground. Oh. And he didn't he didn't understand why that was a problem, why the kicker couldn't just scoop kick it over the crossbar. And so he just pulled his hand back and let out of the way. It. Well, the kicker didn't kick it. He just ran up to it yeah. and stopped. And Memphis came in, tackled both of them, and one of their guys picked the ball up and ran 97 yards for two points. That was uh, that was the clip used by College Game Day in the intro of "You Had One Job" for the oh. the rest of the season. You know, it it was yeah. not it was not a a football game, but it was a football. It was a spring game when we were in high school. We had an Iranian kicker named Turaj Badi. And the first time, one of the first times he went to kick, it was, like I said, it was a spring game. He kicks it. It's blocked. The ball's coming back at him. He had kicked it right-footed and then proceeded to kick it again with his left foot over the crossbars. <laughs> and they're like, no, you can't do that. Oh, and no. So you got to love foreign players playing in American sport. It's like so, the uh... – the oh shoot who was it the guy for South Carolina State who was running the fake and ran like six yards past the line of scrimmage then kicked the ball down the field oh my goodness I did I missed that yeah it's uh it's not a great look so well I appreciate your time as always and this would normally be the time I will tell you good luck but this time I will tell you safe travels <laughs> call a good game and uh, I hope it's I hope it's a great game for both teams. And uh, unfortunately, somebody's going to lose. So, yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, safe travels. Unfortunately, you're not going to be here uh, Friday night for a little whiskey, but uh, you'll be back for basketball, I'm sure. Oh, and baseball. Oh, I, I think we go to you for baseball. So yep. I might have to have be called have whiskey. I will travel on that. We, we can make that happen. So seriously. Yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, seriously, JT, thank you as always for your time. But any last words of wisdom? Uh, ooh, wisdom. That's a, that's a big or one bullshit, to put on bullshit, if you want yeah, to. <laughs> I, can, I can deal with the, the latter more. Um, no, just I, I think this weekend's going to be great, man. You know, we're, we're playing well. You guys are, I'm sure, chomping at the bit to, to get back home and get in the win column after two disappointing games. And these games are always fun. You know, it doesn't matter the sport between the between the Jags and the Cajuns. These games are always fun. Um, I, I love coming over to Cajun Field. I love the the people over there and the the culture you guys have. So um, this is always one of my favorite trips. And like you, I, I hate that I have to stay back on Friday nights and uh, work on ESPN Plus for a volleyball match instead. But we'll um, we'll definitely enjoy ourselves when uh when we get out there for basketball season. Sounds good. I'm gonna have to look at that schedule and make sure. Uh, uh, I'm. I don't. I don't have anything going on. I think the only thing I've got going on during basketball season, I've uh, one of my best friend's daughter's uh, wedding to go to, but uh, the Cajuns are out of town, so it saves me uh, an an argument with my friend. That's why I'm not showing up to his daughter's. But no. And see, I'm in. I'm in the same boat. Where in two weeks, when 
we've got the bye next week, then we're back home hosting ULM for homecoming. I will actually miss that game because my best friend since I was, God, we were, we've known each other since we were six. He's getting married and I'm in the wedding. Wow. And he, he was my best man in my wedding. And so I will miss, uh, gosh, just the second home game in the program's history uh, in a couple of weeks. Well, well, what the things we do for friends, though, right? Who gets married in football season? Come that's on, what. Man. That's a, well. I didn't. Well, you're right about that. That's what I should have responded to you. He should so. have waited till March first when the seat when the schedule came out. If he had moved it up one week to our buy, no problems. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all about the Jags, Ryan. Come on. Exactly. It, it, obviously, his wife is not a Jag, or is she? She's not. No. Uh, ah. We, no. We um we grew up together down here in Mobile. We both went to South together, and um, after college, he took a job in Huntsville. He's been there since. Um, and it's I, I'm so happy for him. He's never really had, uh, gosh, probably maybe two girlfriends in his life, and he's marrying the latter, the last <laughs> one he's uh he's got. So uh, yeah, I, I'm so happy for him, man. All right. Well. Uh, I appreciate your time as always, and uh, yep. we'll see you Saturday. So you've been listening to We're Talking today with Craig Malawson and JT Crabtree, voice of South Alabama Jaguars. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.